Called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads. But I froze my bag off. Like I had every piece of clothes on inside my Catch me howling at the moon. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Try to catch me howling at the Alright, welcome back to another episode of Come Out Heavy. Uh, it's Kurt here. Figured I would start this one off since Devin does most of them. I'll give him a little bit of a break. Dev, how's it going, bud? Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, I would say kind of re-energized to get the pod going again. And yeah, spring's coming. So that's big. You know, sun's coming out, uh, getting the legs, starting to get the itch to hit the mountains. And yeah, now that... Uh, I mean, there won't be bears out, but, you know, you're only 10, 15 days away from potentially going bear hunting, or at least put the gun in the truck and have the opportunity to do something. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where my head's at right now, and, and getting some more podcasts out. Um, yeah, How, what's, uh, what's shaking with you? I mean, we just saw each other a week ago. It's rare that we get to, to do the in-person, but uh, what's been happening up there? Not much, man. Just... Yeah, like you said, longer days, sun's out more. It's been, you know, minus 10 at night and plus 10 to plus 14 during the day. So the snow's slowly starting to melt away. And I seen on Facebook this morning that there was a black bear out in my subdivision last night, which I thought was hilarious. It was the same bear that was out in, like, fucking December too. But, um, yeah, so they're going to start waking up. Maybe not so much up here, but all around the coast pretty soon right and i think season opens up april 1 yep is it yeah yep. so but other than that man not much new just yeah like this is the dead i hate like i like it because the days are warmer but you're, you're kind of fucked you too much snow to do anything the mountains like guys are still sledding right so maybe maybe get a few more weeks ice fishing in and then you're just sitting there waiting for the the lakes to open up and the bush roads to open up too yeah well it's i think it's funny like february is a long month even though it's short i I just describe it as that you're just like done like i get into february and i just the days are still short and it's just shit and you're not there's nothing to do and you're waiting and man now the sun comes like we've had really good weather down here like the sun's been out all day like bluebird days so it just feels more like spring than it probably should because there's no cloud cover right now but it i get home it's light i want to you know i want to do stuff i want to go to the bush i want to fuck around so it's yeah it's it's like an extra energy pickup so that's that's nice i got out on the weekend um it was like an impromptu hike it was like i was doing projects i'm trying to get my (laughs) i was trying to get my winter projects done i think it's the first day of spring today or tomorrow they call it and uh 
I was still like finalizing winter. Pro- I call them winter projects because, you know, the wife will be like, oh, can we do this inside? And, and can we add something here and do those types of things? And then my excuse all year is, oh, no, that's like inside stuff. So I do those in the winter. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently I do those in March when it's not exactly winter, but I'm still trying to fit it in while there's snow on the ground because I just hate like it could be nice out and then you're inside doing projects instead of like doing something. So yeah, I finished off a winter project, but then the sun just pounded like all weekend and uh, it was like 2.30 or 3 o'clock and I was like, fuck it, I'm going for a hike because I drove up uh, to pick up something off the buy and sell. I drove up the lake and there was no snow on that whole side of the mountain and I was like, oh fuck, if, if there's going to be sheds or if it's a good place to go that's going to be a good spot. Like, I don't know if there's sheds. I didn't really care, but it was more just like no snow, never hiked that mountain before. Just kind of get out. So I just, yeah, quarter to three threw my backpack and my boots on and just went and I hiked for like an hour and a half and I want to go again. Like I'd go right after work. Like I just want to get back out. So it was good to just get in the mountains. The sun really pulled it out of me. Yeah, man. I mean, I seen your picture. I was pretty jealous. I was like, fuck, there's no snow down there. And then he sent me a picture of his backyard and it was like full of snow and I'm like, all right, good. I don't feel that bad because yeah. right now, like <laughs> there's no grass anywhere. It's still like I shoveled my camper off the other day and there was fucking three feet of snow on top of it. And I had to shovel just to get to the camper. So I'm just like, oh man, like yeah, it's going to be a slow late again too, right? Yeah, man. It was like last two weeks of February, we ended up getting like over, over three feet, almost four feet of fucking snow. And, like, prior to that, we had, like, six inches on the ground. I'm like, oh, wicked. It's going to be a quick spring. It's going to melt off fast. The river's going to be open. Lakes are going to be open. And then winter just fucked us hard. And, yeah, it was, it's fucking crazy what the amount of snow we got here right now. I'm so over it. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we kind of got lucky. Our March has been just, like, nothing. And we only had one good dump. We had, like, same time you guys got, like, huge dump. We only got, like, 10 inches. So it's not bad. I, I know it's going to go pretty quick. And it's nice. Like, I I went for that hike. And it usually every spring, I've told you before that, like, the ticks are terrible. So, mm-hmm. like, it's a bit early. But I can't help when you're out there. Like, I just itch the whole fucking time. And you just, like... You feel like a twig or like a needle fall on your neck and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. And, and Peshki, he went for a hike that same afternoon to go take his dogs for a walk and he just bombed in where he's going to put a trail cam up. He wanted to see what the snow levels and shit were like. And he, he, takes, he knew I was out hiking and he texted me the same thing. He's like, any ticks? And I was like, no. He's like, man, the whole time I was hiking, I was itching and fucking feeling them. And I'm like, yeah, same. So I'm just like panicked already about these fucking things. It's so bad yeah. down here. It's crazy. Well, that's like, you know, we obviously have some ticks up here. But like you said, when you were like building fence in the spring and yeah. doing shit and you get ticks all over you, I'm like, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, it's fucked. It makes, yeah, it makes the hair stand up in the back of it my neck. It makes me like not want to go, but I want to go. So I'm just going to deal with it. But I like, you're on like high alert. Like you're just always checking your shoulder, always fucking reaching behind the ears. And like last year, my beard was a little bit longer in the spring, and I'd pull them out of my fucking beard, like on the sides, like they just oh. get, they just, and I'd be like, oh, that's itchy, and I'd scratch my beard, and I'd feel one, and I'd pull them out of there. So it's just, oh, it's just in the back of your mind. And I got a mole, like 
on the back of my neck, like right in my hairline. So every time I reach to check, I feel it. And I just think it's a tick, even though I know it's my fucking mole. I just think it's a tick digging in. And I have to like make sure, like really rub it. It's fucked. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've never had one on me, like knock on wood right now. Cause I'm like, after your story where you had that one that was right up oh. by your nuts, I just, man, yeah, that, that it, was fucked. Yeah. That was like a day later or like that. Well, not a day later, but I, yeah, I fenced all morning and then was like cleaning up in the shower and felt something. And I was like, what the fuck? And I pulled it out of like the gooch, like in between. And he was just starting to latch and I got him out with his head and everything in the fucking shower. It was so gross. Like I was like gay, like, like while I was throwing him down the drain, I was so bad. So yeah, now it's like got to wear gaiters. I'm thinking like, you know, those long sleeve, like hooded shirts, like the really light ones. Yeah. Like I kind of want to wear that with the hood up so they don't go down. Like, fuck, I'm just like paranoid over these fuck. Unless someone, hey, reach out, let us know. How do you keep fucking ticks off? Like, I don't think there is a thing, but maybe I don't well, know. Maybe there's something I, I can wear. I seen some, like, I think guys took like duct tape and wrapped it around backwards. So yeah. the sticky side was out and that catches them or something. I've seen, I don't know, it's probably fake post on like gram or well, something. Well, I've but. seen guys use duct tape to like when you catch them, you just stick them to them and keep killing them and you keep like a whole layer of duct tape with you. But, just, or just you like burn a them trophy with a or what? Yeah, I don't know. I've just seen the posts of that. Maybe just to like count how many you pulled off that day. But yeah, I've yeah. seen that. Um, guys at work were, I was talking about ticks because they were out skiing and it's kind of similar, like spring skiing, like they can be walking through the same shit. And one guy joked, he's like, well, isn't there like dog collars? Like, can't you get tick collars for your dog? I'm like, well, yeah, maybe I should hang one like off the top of my backpack or something. Well, I know there's some bug spray that says it repels ticks and mosquitoes or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm have to look into it, try that. It sucks. Ugh, it's yeah. not fun. Tick, ticks, like I said, I've never experienced many, but like ticks and spiders, man. I got a story today, like... <laughs> So I've been uh, working for the school district for the last couple months in Quinnell here. And I had to go down in a crawl space in one of the old fucking schools. And like spiders, spiders, I don't know. I'd rather fucking come face to face with a grizzly bear or a cougar, which I have twice. And I don't know what the fuck it is about spiders, man. I'm like a little fucking girl. It just, anyways, I crawl in this fucking crawl space. No lights. I got a headlamp on. First thing I see is like a fucking one of those wolf fucking spider brown recluse looking motherfuckers. And I was like, step on it, kill it. And then I'm on my hands and knees after from that point on. I'm like, and I'm going in there and I've got a drill with a big long auger bit. And I'm literally using that as like a wand to collect all the spider webs as I'm crawling like probably 50 feet in and 50 feet like to the left, pulling some fucking wires up in there. And I'm like, I'm, as I get closer to the fucking corners and I start seeing, like, you know how they tunnel those fucking webs? They're not like a normal spider web. They're like that cocoon web. Yeah. And I see those fucking things everywhere. I'd seen at least 50 fucking spiders in this crawl space. And I was just like, get me the fuck out of here. Get me the fuck out of here. Like, And I was just like, I was under there for two fucking hours today, pulling wires, splicing, like... I just had to like shut my fucking brain off and be like, don't fucking think about it, man. And I seen one, one was like the fucking king. Like that thing was, well, Devin could see my hand. Like it was a two inch diameter. Yeah. Oh, more than that. More than that. Like 
Like, I, you probably could have fucking stacked two toonies side by side, and that was the size of fucking thing. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> You're not a pussy. Go in there, right? But, yeah, I got out of there, man, and I was just like, I tucked my shirt in. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know. Well, I get fuck, it. I get it. I fucking yeah. hate it. But, you know, I'm huh? pretty sure those spiders aren't going to hurt me where a tick will fuck you up pretty good, right? But, yeah, well, that is the scare. They're not all fucking dangerous, but, man. Like fuck, who who wants to get Lyme disease? Like that's fucking gross. So yeah, just gotta be aware. Like I'm, I'm checking like every ten minutes. I'm looking at my shoulders, and if you're with a guy, me and Matt, just like stop, tick check. Like anytime we stop, just like where are they? Knock them off. Yeah, yeah. That's a little weird when you two are naked in the bush, tick checking each other. Right? Yeah, it's like the Brad Paisley song. I'll check you for yeah. ticks. Spread your legs, open up, cough. <laughs> <laughs> all right um well this show we uh just gonna be me and Gary flying solo today um i think we're just gonna recap the sheep show we just went to so we're just gonna kind of dive into how that went and and the things we did and the things we talked about and and if you were there you'd know quite a bit about it but if you weren't then it's a good chance to to listen in on why we like it and why we don't like it and all that stuff it's mainly why we like it and the, and the fun side of it but uh yeah three years now it's been shut down since for covid so this is the first one in over three years and i was excited to go i mean i'm more excited just to hang out with the boys and, and see people that i haven't seen that i don't normally see like even not even from cornell just some of the guys we've met there over, over the last couple shows it's been really good so um yeah that was that was what i looked forward to the most the what about you yeah man that's like the sheep show when i first went you know i was i loved it i brought the wife with me and she was like this is fucking stupid don't bring me here again <laughs> i'm like perfect i won't but uh, <laughs> um no man it's a fun time like the wild sheep society of bc always puts on a pretty decent decent show and uh, yeah like you said it, it's seeing all the guys that you don't see on a regular basis you all meet there for you know two days of drinking and bullshit and storytelling and i don't know man it's good like you know i've met a lot of people just with the same i guess like-minded people you know the everyone's there for raising to support wild sheep and uh, obviously put sheep back on the mountain but like i'm there for for the bullshits the laughs the stories you know like the last time they had a show we went out in camloops and you know the guys that we met there they all had spotters, so we went up and we were glassing bighorns in the afternoon, drinking beer, and fuck, that was like, that was a wicked time, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was good. I mean, the way it kind of all went down is, is we showed up there. Well, I showed up midday Friday. Um, shit was already going, and and Kurt had to work all day, so I was flying solo there for a bit, and yeah, it was just you get if you don't know how the sheep shows laid out, it's a few booths and a a few guys kind of just selling either what they do or uh i don't know different brands set up and then they have the silent auction but it always seems like precision optics is the kind of the busiest booth i mean omer puts on i mean him and garrick they bring down just a ton of stuff and put in a lot of work to set that up like they have a whole cube trailer full of everything that they bring and and that's why it's busiest i mean it's also a good place to tell stories and listen but you know when you got the whole lineup of Kafaru backpacks sitting out. You got all the Stone Glacier backpacks right out in front for everyone to try on. Like he has everyone there 
all the sizes. I mean, that goes a long way, especially either you're just getting into mountain hunting or you're considering getting a different pack or something. I mean, what's better than just being able to try everything on and get your hands on it? That's that's ideal for guys like that. And then he's got all those guns. He's got all the optics to look at. He's got the tripods, like all the bipods. Like that's what you, you're like a kid in a candy store. You just sit there, you drink beer and play with guns and scopes. Like... I don't know. I could, I did that for two days, and I still learned stuff on the end of the last day. Yeah, man. Like, I uh, I don't know if it was the f- one of the first years Omer had his booth set up, but I helped him load up that trailer. And, you know, like, I didn't work the booth a ton, but I was there more drinking beer and bullshitting. But, like, he brings a lot of stuff to that show, and it's a lot of stuff that you can't just go to your local wherever the fuck you live, right? Like, we're lucky because Omer lives in Quinnell. So I can go there and look and play and pick his ear about anything. A lot of these guys talk to him on the phone. So, like, say you're looking at a new spot or binos, you can actually take it there, handle them. You can take them outside, tell the difference. You know, like, you took a couple spotters outside. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we, uh, we've been joking with Matt lots about he's running a, a Kawa brand spotter. And it's just a kind of an inside joke between the three of us, like, Swaro sucks and cow is best and then we go the other way and he had his there so we put his 60 power by 80 against the the Swaro ATX 60 or whatever it is by 85 and just had him out I mean it was really good glassing light but you could still put them side by side and, and really look at them and I actually wanted to like even not just to say which one was better because I was pretty sure it was going to be really hard to tell on like a 10 minute glassing session in good conditions like you're not going to get a ton of data unless one was really shitty like that would be the difference if something was really bad with one obviously but so we we set them up and and looked through and i was impressed with both obviously the swaro was awesome and even that kawa like very good clarity like a nice nice scope for sure um the biggest difference that we saw was color so a huge color difference. And I don't know what that means. And I was talking to you about it. So the Kawa came out like warm. Like if you're thinking about light bulbs, they have that like warm chart. And they have like your 3000 and that's like your warm light. And then they have like your fours and your fives. And the, the Kawa really was more that like warmer, like 3000K-ish light. And that Swaro was in that more blue... And it was more natural because what I was trying to do was like my eyes and then look at the color. You know what I mean? Like try to just see what your eyes see. And I think our eyes look a lot closer to the what the Swaro was looking at. Now, what that does, I don't know. Like I've never really talked about it or, or ever heard anyone really say anything about the two light contrasts. Yeah, I think I've just heard Wilmer talk about it or other guys on podcast talk about it. But I think that's where your high-end glass you get that natural daylight, your edge-to-edge clarity a little bit better instead of getting that little bit of a, not a fucking, I guess a, a glow or something like that, right? Like just just a little bit different spectrum of color. But Yeah, I'd be interested know. to see if like if we get Omer on or anything, like to see if uh, there's, if anyone's done it like a test if there's like more eye strain with one of the colors like that was to be the only thing 
in my mind that I was like, okay, well, what would make different? Well, your eyes would strain differently if they're having to adjust to a different color. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it's, we plan on getting him true. on in the next couple of weeks here, so it'd be a good question to have for him. Yeah, but we kind of went on a tangent there, like talking about the the sheep show. Um, like I said, we're buddies at Homer, so I, we were always hanging out at his booth. But it seems like everybody there, they all gravitate towards you know wherever he's at, and might have something to do with the big ass cooler of beer that we had in the back, and <laughs> um, all the drinking that's kind of happened down on that end. And all that the was, bullshitting and storytelling. That uh, was Friday Friday night. I think Kurt and I, I mean, I picked up supplies because he was going to be late into town. So I was like, I don't know, I'll get, I'll get 24 athlete beers and, and a 2.6 and that'll be enough for tonight. And then we'll just see how we feel on Saturday and, and figure it out from there. And I think the bartender lady gave us like three warnings to stop leaving the booze like out on the counter without like a cup so then she finally brought us she was nice nice enough to not just like tell us to fuck off she brought us plastic cups to put our beer in because she knew we were just gonna do it anyways and it was it was it felt like fucking getting scolded like a kid a couple times yeah it was pretty funny um so yeah like Devin said he showed up earlier i didn't get there till i don't know I made some fucking record time from Kona. If there's any cops listening to this, turn turn it off for a few minutes because I was fucking flying there. I, <laughs> I didn't want to miss too much, so I made good time getting to Kamloops. And yeah, we fucking dummy to fucking flat a beer, and we, yeah, we, you know, we we did the backpass grace. I signed us up months ago for that. You want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, if you if you're new to listening about the sheep show but i'm sure if you've listened to us you've heard us talk about the what the backpack race and and kind of what that entails and and it's just a fun event like it's not like you think it's not like you're it's big athletic race and i think if you've seen the videos online or actually wild sheep had a good post they had a couple good snaps of guys falling through the tires and um they had a good one of us you were hoisting me up on the block and so it's it's fun and they do it late like they purposely start the race at like 10 30 and that's so everyone's a little bit loose and a little bit you know unstable and i mean that's kind of how we were going into it you know just do it in blue jeans and boots and and have 10 beers under your belt i mean that's that's a true definition of you know backpacking so um it was good it uh they had a good course this time it I thought it was uh, better than the last one, just kind of like the way it was set up and, and what they did there. So it was, you know, simple. Like you had to jump through a luggage trolley to start, then go on the balance beam, which is like always my nemesis. And I almost fell off it again this time. And tires in and out. But then the big thing they had was they had like a six and a half foot by like four foot box built. And you had to hoist your partner up onto the box, throw the backpacks over and go. And then switch backpacks and then do the opposite for the other partner. And Kurt and I's strategy kind of fell through. And it was because I tightened the belt up too much. Or I shouldn't even have wore the belt. And I, you, the rule was you had to clip it, though. But you didn't have to have it tight. And then when I passed off to Kurt, he, he struggled with getting it on. And we got we would have beat Davies and Agostino if we didn't get our 10-second penalty. I'm just going to say it right now. No one t- said that, but I believe that that was the case. I think so. I definitely think so. You know, um, like Devin said, when 
I helped, he took the backpack off. I helped him over the box and then, uh, I ran over at the end and when he swapped me the backpack, <laughs> I was like, I told him, I'm like, make sure that belt's loose, right? Cause obviously I'm a little bit bigger than Devin. So when we threw it on and I grabbed the buckle and it was like six inches, there's no way I was getting that fucking buckle on. And I'm trying and trying everything I could do to snap it up. And then like in a fucking panic, I just couldn't loosen the fucking strap off. And I heard some guy from the crowd, suck it in, suck it in. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> so anyways, I ended up, we got dinged because I fucking couldn't get it done up. And then when we got to the box, I took it off, threw it over. And then Devin grabbed it while I was transferring the backpack and loosened it off quick and threw it on. And the rest of the course was clean. But, you know, fucking good old boys doing it in blue jeans and fucking, I was wearing my work fucking shoes. I had, bl- I had blundstones on, so. <laughs> yeah, so I thought we... We had a good, honest showing, you know, and, um, you know, we, there's a few guys there that showed up in fucking running shoes and shorts, and they were fucking doing stretches and some Pilates before, um, that fucking Davies and that Jeff Lagostino, but, you know, they ended up winning, which is, you know, congratulations to you guys. Yeah. Um, hope you're proud yeah, of yourself. Tip your hat if, if you're going to yeah. wear blue, you know, short shorts and running shoes, you better fucking win. Yeah, fucking Lagostino was drinking fucking bubblies all evening, and Davies says he was drinking whiskey, but I'm pretty sure it was just fucking popping that drink. But, you know, anyways, congratulations, guys. Uh, enjoy your backpacks, and we will we'll see you guys next year. Yeah. And we'll still be in blue jeans and fucking work boots, but uh, <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, the other thing that happened Friday night was uh, Tanner there. We haven't seen Tanner in a while, and, and he got to premiere... Um, for a lot of people, his caribou hunt film. So a lot of guys got to watch that. Um, we we tucked in and watched it, but it's hard. It's one of those uh, films that you want to you know really be able to listen to and, and watch. So you didn't get the full experience. But now it's been out for like two days now, live on YouTube. So I got the chance to watch it this this uh, this weekend, and I liked it. It was good. So well done, Tanner. Good job. Nice bull. Uh, I really liked, like, have you watched it yet? I watched it this weekend. I watched it yeah. Saturday night, too. So I watched it, and, uh, fuck, I really wanted him to get it with that old fucking cowboy gun. Like, I get it, and it was, I thought it was great. Like, I would do the same fucking thing. So I'm watching him, and he got on those bulls that first try, that big fucker, and he couldn't, you know, get the right shot lined up with that uh, lever action he's got. And then the next day, they kind of similar situation, like, trying to get it done trying to get it done and then I, he same thing i would have said jeff where's that fucking gun give me that rifle like i wouldn't have let the next one walk either so no. like not a fucking chance yeah that's like bow hunting you always gotta have a gun fucking there too yeah. <laughs> like, but no man that was a beauty ball they had i you know we talked to them lots when they got back from that trip and it sounded like that was a fucking hell of a trip and kind of a once in a lifetime you know that just to get that tag is something special and then to go out there and you know document it record it everything like that so congratulations on you guys that was that was a fantastic video yeah really good um yeah other things kind of we had guys rolling up on us and you know stopping us a couple times i thought we were in trouble but they just wanted to say like you know we listen to the show and appreciate what you're doing and Hopefully you guys keep it up. So, you know, appreciate you guys taking the time out to say hi and tell us that we're not completely fucking retarded on here. And, 
yeah, it was good. But yeah, that literally a couple times those older boys stop us. I was like, oh, we did something wrong. Like, I, yeah. I don't know why, but I just figured we did something wrong and they were going to give us shit. We're getting in shit, yeah. <laughs> the the boys on the first night there, we, we uh, well, after the backpack race, man, I was like fucking, could, couldn't catch my breath. I needed a drink. So we went back to the corner and cracked a couple of beers and... And then at the end of the night, kind of, we went back and I was like, oh, fuck, we were out of beer. So I poured myself a whiskey and we had pizza. That's what it was. I ordered fucking yeah. Devin ordered pizza. So we kind of snuck away from everybody and we had a muck and a large pizza in the back corner there. And a couple of guys showed up and just, we started bullshitting about the podcast and hunting and that fucking, that's when that lady come over for the third time. I had the bottle of whiskey up on the counter and she's just like, really guys, come on. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was good, man. It was really good to, uh, I, to bullshit and, you know, talk to guys that listen to the show and it makes us feel good what we're doing and makes us want to keep doing it. Right. And I, I find it funny. I don't know what you feel like, but I find it funny when people like recognize me or you or whatever. And like, I don't know. I don't consider myself a podcaster or anything like that. I'm just a normal guy that, like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm embarrassed to say I'm a podcaster. I don't know what it is, but well, I just find it. I find Yeah. <laughs> this I, is our 41th I, episode, so technically we're podcasters. Uh, gay. Yeah. Gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, it's just, it's funny, man, when people come talk to you and they recognize you and they like, yeah, they tell you that they, they like listening and, I don't know. It, it makes us feel good at what we're doing and it, it shows yeah. it just kind of reach out to normal people just like us. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, Kurt and I somehow became, for the weekend only, we had the life member benefits on our passes. So uh, one day I'm sure Kurt and I will be life members for the while. Actually, I know I will be. It might even be this year because I've already spent enough money on like a regular membership that I probably should just, you know, ante up the life. But we had life membership privileges all weekend, which is kind of nice. So if someone did that for us, thank you. But uh, it worked out. We got to go to the, the life member breakfast as guests of actual life members is how it worked out is how that works. Um, and it was good. I I was interested to see what that looked like. And like, Christ, they was like the biggest turnout they've ever had for their life member breakfast. Um, it was interesting to hear all the, the things they're doing and they, what they talk about it at those things. And, you know, if you've, I'm sure you haven't heard, you know, if you weren't at the sheep show or in the crowd of, of that event, uh, Tom Foss was one of the keynote speakers at the sheep show and he spoke at the life member breakfast. And then he did a speech at the live auction and dinner that night as well. And man, I got to say, I, I don't really know who the Fosses are, but Adam, I knew through Instagram and the sheep show. And I think I just know of his dad, but, but these guys seem, or at least Tom, he seems like a real beauty. Like the way he, you know, talked about hunting and talked about, you know, politics and the, and the things that are going on in the world. And you can really get on board with a guy like that. So I thought his, uh, his speech was, you know, right in on point and, a little in the gray area which Kurt and I are okay with so yeah we were, we thought it was great if you're if anyone's listening and knows him tell him yeah good job yeah like uh, apparently there's a couple of people that filed some uh, hurt feelings reports from from the speech which i i think fucking 
suck it up, snowflake. Like, fucking, don't be so goddamn fucking, I don't know, soft, millennial, woke, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Woke. Yeah, woke's a good fucking term. Fucking, everyone's trying to be a motherfucking victim right now. And, like, everybody, that everyone else there fucking that heard that speech, you know, we knew a lot of the stuff he was saying. He was joking and making light of a lot of shitty things that have happened in Canada in the last fucking three years. But someone's always got to play the fucking victim all the time. And it just happens to be some fucking, yeah, some, yeah, I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> An uneducated fucking person. But anyways, we thought it was, we'd listen to both speeches and I thought it was funny as hell. So, um, you know. Uh, I stick up for the Wild Sheep Society and what they do and who they have around them and who's a obvious like that guy brought in a, like a hundred fifty thousand dollars to the Wild Sheep yeah. Society that fucking weekend, right? And people are calling for his fucking head, like kick fucking rocks, man. That guy's done more for that fucking organization and Wild Sheep in BC than you and your whole fucking family ever have. So suck a fucking dick. <laughs> well said. Oh, onward. <laughs> onward. Uh, yeah Saturday was good we Kurt and I sometimes check out like the, they have seminars and different things going on so we poked our head into uh, me Johnny and Kurt poked our heads into Adam Foss's intro to hunting and just kind of sat in there for a little while just to see and the two things he spoke about while we were in there were rain gear um, and nutrition fuck I think it was great and we didn't stay that long I mean we were a little bit hung titty and wanted to kind of get out of there but it was good. It was like an intro to mountain hunting, and I think Johnny kind of just wanted to see what Adam was talking about and, and just see how that was, and I thought it was great. We talked to one of our friends that was at the sheep show that was took in that whole seminar, and he said it was awesome. Like, for a guy that's just starting mountain hunting, he said, like, really good, like, got a ton out of it. So that's nice to see is something like that. Yeah, like, when we were there, like, we weren't there very long. Like Devin said, I, I needed a fucking little nappy poo in the afternoon to to catch up from the night before but you know the like there were some little nitbits where i was like you know throwing your uh rain gear in the dryer after you treat it i didn't really know that i was like fuck oh yeah that's I knew a that good one. one that's that's when it but, activates it yeah but he broke down uh like what he packs for food and calories per ounce and you know for me i don't really follow some things like that i probably should but for anyone that's like getting into it he breaks down he broke it down fucking perfectly like if you there are a lot of people walked out of there with a lot of knowledge yeah. you know and like we didn't stay very long but i'm sure if we stood the whole the whole time like uh yeah definitely would have had a brain full of notes coming out of that like he's i've known i know who he is his family you know all those guys have been they're like born and bred sheep hunters right so you know, they've got a ton of experience and, you know, that that's something where a new hunter could sit there and you could, you know, you're getting 30 years of experience just sitting down listening to somebody talk, right? Yeah, it's nice of them to do it. You know, actually, even just being in there so quickly, I really like to, like, <clears throat> open up your mountain houses and add stuff to them. Or, like, any of your freeze-dried. Like, guys will add, like their own dried mixture to like spice something up like if you've you'd have to have a lot of years of like testing this shit out though like 
I'm not buying a 14 or $17 peak refuel, opening it, doing stuff to it, then eating it at home and trying it. But so to pull that kind of like he was saying, like they'll add like extra garlic or maybe a bit of dehydrated flakes of something or just to add like some flavor or something to some of these meals. I was like, man, that's, mm. I don't, yeah, that is smart. Or you can add more dehydrated meat to one if you wanted. Like, I was like, fuck, that's not bad. Like just to give you like that little extra. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I must have been fucking dozing off because I was fucking tired, but I didn't hear that. But yeah, man, it makes sense, right? That's why a lot of people make their own dehydrated food too. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I've had those mountain houses for years. The peak refills, I don't, I like them. I don't got to add nothing to them. It's yeah. And usually, but after a hard day of hiking, man, like that <laughs> that could be anything. a dehydrated piece of dog shit with a little bit of mushroom fucking soup mix on top of it. I'd fucking eat it. <laughs> you're so tired and you're hungry. You're like. I've had a mountain house at home, like just normally, man. I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? But when you're on the mountain after like packing something out, that is like fucking filet mignon to most people. So, no, that's know. fair. Uh, I did catch the uh, Bill Jack's Horn Aging Seminar with Johnny, the the one and only Johnny Nykirk sat in on it with me. Yeah, um, it was good. We sat in for the whole thing and. Uh, just kind of confirming a lot of stuff. I enjoyed that. Um, it was nice to get to handle and, and see a lot of horns and different years. And I like how you get to really see ones where you think they'd be old, but they're not, or vice versa. Like, you don't get to handle that normally without going to a show like this. Like, how many times are you going to see 15 different, you know, colors and styles and, and that kind of stuff? And that was actually good on, I think it was Friday night, they had that horn aging contest where there was like 15 of them or something. And I thought that was really cool to go and, and try to figure out, you know, where where the fourth is, where the lamb tip starts or like, it. what I liked is like one would be full curl, like it would have the lamb tips on and everything. And then it would be broomed on the other side. So you could look at the broomed side before you looked at the curl and try to get like... I find that the hardest is like, okay, is that three? Like usually they're broomed somewhere in there. So is that three? And then go four or five and then match that to the other side and be like, oh, fuck, that's not three. That's two or vice versa. So is Well, it- that's that's the problem that we had with my rent, right? Mm-hmm. Like being broomed back so far back. And on like both I never, sides. On both sides. So you didn't really like, well, he's got fucking nine rings that you can see after the broom. So you know he's fucking legal, but... Like, that would have been cool to see. Like, I always wonder, like, I look at him, like, I wonder where his tips would have been. Like, would he yeah. be fucking, like, it, he could have nine more inches of horn on there. Who knows, right? Like, what, uh, that one that you looked at, what, it was a second year where it was broomed, or what was it? Yeah, there was a couple, but the one was, like, it was an old ram. So he was broomed and that was his third so one was rated as third but then there was another one which is younger and he was broomed closer to like his second or one and a half or like somewhere in that range yeah so it was really really hard and then there's going around and if you're in the sheep hunting world you've heard clay lancaster break down aging and the one joke or the one saying is four in the crown put him down or whatever i think is the saying that he hit the way he ages is like is that that's how they look at it um they really cleared that up a guy asked that question in the aging seminar saying like well clay says this 
and how they cleared that up they said it is valid like his method has some real grounds to it like those guys are you know super experienced sheep hunters and they've been in the mountains forever that family but the way they explained it to and it was a good way to explain it to all these younger guys myself included just new sheep hunters was the lancasters are looking for 10 and 12 and 9 year like they're basically trying to kill 10 year olds so that's where the rule applies you can't say like four in the crown put her down when it's you're aging a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. He's like, they're aging 10 and 12-year-old sheep, and they know that because they've done their homework, they're in the mountains, and they see it all the time. So I never, I have heard of this, like, you know, fly by the seat of your pants kind of, you know, judgment call that they use. Um, and it was interesting to hear someone actually break it down and say, like, yep, yeah, it's definitely valid if you have the experience to know what you're looking at. Well, that's the thing. Like, you look at guys like Clay, the guys that work for Clay, all these other, like, Yukon Northwest Territory Outfitters, those guys are staring at hundreds and hundreds of fucking rams yeah. a year, every year for the last fucking 20, 30 years. Like, those guys grew up up there, right? Like, he's he's fucking let go more legal fucking sheep than probably sheep have been killed. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, obviously not, but, like, than most people. So that's the thing. Like, you get a couple fucking greenhorns hear that and they get trigger fucking happy and shoot a fucking dink ram well i don't know man people are this you still got you gotta use your fucking brain still right like you can't just hear it on a podcast fucking and think that you're all of a sudden you're a fucking aging fucking specialist like i don't know it it sucks because it i know clay got a lot of flack over that and and whatnot and then you know, for a guy like him, he knows what he's looking at. Yeah, Johnny's the same thing. Like, yeah. you get a you get a fucking ram in the spotting scope. They can tell without even looking at the fucking head if it's an old ram or a young ram, yeah. and then decide deciding if it's the ram you want to take. Like, you know, those guys don't want to shoot eight year olds. They don't want to shoot seven year old full curls that break the nose by three inches. They they want to kill a big old fucking ram. But yeah. it it's tough, man. Like. I, you know, I would really like to see, you know, that Bill Jacks, the aging, he did that one in Prince George, and I know they're putting these seminars on, but I think they need to get some video of, like, get an hour-long video of different segments of rams in the spotting scopes. Yeah, while their you heads can, are moving, you can pause yeah, it. Yeah, moving around from different angles and, like, show a ram that might be 10 years old but doesn't break the nose. And say, well, this is what to look for, right? Or a six-year-old ram that breaks the nose, like, you know, like Joel Pell's ram. Like, young ram breaks the nose by a fucking mile. You know, like, honestly, I would have shot that fucking ram. He gets a lot of yeah. flack, man. And fucking for a guy that doesn't sheep hunt, you know, just getting into it. He, you've, like, you know, I've talked to lots of guys and a lot of guys get mad about it. But if you read the regs, like, they don't want you to shoot a fucking a ram that doesn't break the nose that ages, they want you to shoot a ram that breaks the nose. Yeah. And if you look at the fine print in the regs, like it's, it's not, it's, it's clear as fucking mud, but it says if it breaks the nose, it's legal. And I get you want to shoot old rams for the populations and all this other shit. But if you're, if you're not allowed to age and it's got to break the nose, well then you're shooting that fucking ram. Unless you yeah, got that fucking thing broke, that thing broke by like two inches. At least it was, yeah. yeah it, when I first seen it, I was like, oh shit. And then when you actually look close, you're like, 
well, it's not that old, but it's it's a tight curl and it fucking swings way up. Nothing wrong with that. Like, if I get if a guy's got fucking four rams on the fucking wall, maybe don't shoot a young one. Maybe wait for an old one, and you you know, that's that's the problem. If it's your first ram or whatever, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's and you're in that situation. You spend so much money, so much time. You go up there and you see a legal ram. It's fucking hard not to pull the trigger. But like, it ram is just something you don't see all the time. Like I see four points all the time. I'm waiting for a big four point, right? Like you see a little crab pincher four point, you're gonna be like, oh, that thing needs like five more years. Well, it's but also when you could see be it, like day eight on his hunt too. Like he's been he's gone on two sheep hunts. Like he didn't get one the first one, so let's call it day eighteen on his sheep hunt. Yeah. And you pay, it costs people a lot of fucking money, man. And if you don't come home with something, like, you definitely feel the pressure. We feel the pressure. So all I'm saying is I'd like to see, like, maybe the wild sheep put on something like all these guys got, the the glass now is amazing. Like, you get some unbelievable high-def footage through phone scopes and and whatnot and spotters. Like, take all different kinds of angles and different age sheep and then have someone, like, freeze frame it and break it down and be like, look, you can see the rings here. But then when he turns his head, okay, he breaks the nose here, right? Because we sat, we watched our fucking sheep for fucking hours, like six, seven hours watching them. Watching them from every angle, getting right across from them, breaking them down, like freeze framing it, going fucking frame by frame through everything. And it, it's, it's just something a guy doesn't want to roll the fucking dice on. And I like last year, I don't think many Rams got fucking got pulled compared to obviously the covid rams but you know no one wants to see no it see was, they, all those rams they talked about that at the the aging thing they said because that that bad year i think there was something like 36 or 38 rams pulled and i think someone asked and, and don't quote me on the number but the guy someone asked how many last year and i think they said two confirmed or something yeah and and the, in the last two years it's like under 10 or something like that yeah and like so. I've, I've heard lots of guys talk at the sheep show about it where you know it's that a lot of fucking new hunters started hunting sheep during covid guys had time everyone seemed to be fucking rich during covid it seemed like and there was way thought more the world was guys. gonna end well yeah spend it all <laughs> free money from the government yeah right um but that's what I'm saying. Like, there was a fucking way more fucking resident pressure. And there's a lot of fucking new hunters that they don't fucking, they haven't killed fuck all and they dive into sheep hunting. Because it, it's got this big fucking nuance around it that it's the pinnacle of hunting. And it's pretty fucking awesome. And it's pretty fucking addicting. But maybe get a little fucking experience under your belt before and learn to age a four point mule deer before you go try to age a fucking sheep at 600 fucking yards maybe yeah but, no that's fair know. for sure <laughs> yeah uh i was a little fucking disappointed with the representation of the fucking so-called podcasters in bc at the sheep show eh yeah fuck i, I figured there'd be uh I feel like Mindless Hunter would have had his short shorts on and he would have been running that backpack race with them big old fucking 350, 400 pound squatting legs of his, breaking snowshoes left, right, and center with those fucking powerful gams of his. But 
yeah fuck misrepresentation of the bc podcast for sure like just fucking be on the kill and come out heavy yeah it was uh i thought there would be a lot more guys there but i mean whatever fucking the we represented what we had to and and whatnot but yeah <laughs> yeah jay nickel there he probably they probably would have to put two four by fours on that fucking walking beam because that guy's fucking monstrous right <laughs> <laughs> put an eight by eight up there for him because that thing would be bowing in the middle <laughs> yeah it was uh i was i was actually kind of disappointed i figured we'd meet a few of them and tell some fucking stories and all that but you know whatever i didn't really give a fuck either i was just i was i was the same way i was like what the fuck like we didn't go there because we were podcasters we were going there before we had a podcast but these guys these big fucking bc represent hunters fucking this and that and like what like show up fuck and that's like i've I've been to other conventions and stuff like that this is like as far as i'm concerned it's the pinnacle of conservation shows you know what the wild sheep does the amount of money they put back onto the ground and like if you're gonna support what else is there in an organization there's nothing the fucking trade show in abbotsford like fuck that exactly that's just a money show. This is like something that's actually making a difference. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I can't remember what the dollar value is, what they put on the ground, but it's fucking good. And the nice thing about the BC Wild Sheep Society is that all that money stays in BC. When you when you do the, the Wild Sheep Foundation, that money gets divvied out and there's a lot of fucking pockets get greased along the way. And you know, a lot of that money stays in the States where BC is, how did Kyle put it? They're, they're affiliate of the wild sheep foundation, but they're not a part of the wild feet foundation. So they're their own identity. So all the money they raise stays in BC and in the entire world, man, BC is the fucking Mecca for fucking sheep. You can ask any sheep hunter. And the the wild sheep society or sorry, the wild sheep foundation knows that the, CEO for the Wild Sheep Foundation came to the Kamloops event. He was there. Yeah, Gray so like, Thornton. Gray Thornton was there. He he's there to support because he knows how important it is for sheep in BC to remain like strong or continue. Like these guys are talking about the future of hunting in BC when you're at these shows. So it's not just sheep hunting. And we've we've said this before where it's like, yeah, it is a sheep hunting convention. But the Wild Sheep Society of BC is also the group that, you know, was at the front of some of these Act Now campaigns. They're the ones with the the voice. So that's why you got to support them. They're the ones that make a difference. They're talking about hunting in 40 years, that our kids can still be doing what we're doing. The worry is that it's not going to happen, that by like 2030, there's a chance that, you know, hunting slips away from us like we all know and we're all scared of but these are the shows and these are the people that you need to get behind now especially if you're like our age if you're in your 30s 40s and you're rolling through life with you know good jobs and all this stuff there's no excuse for it i get it when you're like 20 and you're figuring your shit out but like get out there hit the raffles make sure they sell out buy a fucking membership just get it get it somehow yeah, like they're, you know, the the Black Bear Campaign Act now, 
the caribou closures, moose closures, you know, between the government, First Nations, fucking anti-hunting organizations. Like, there's no one advocating for hunters in BC. Wild Sheep Society is, like, really took the bull by the horns, and they're kind of the spearhead there, you know, along with the, what is the BC Wildlife, like... Uh, well, there's backcountry hunters and anglers. There's SCI, but, yeah, but I never they don't hear do, much. They don't do no. nothing. What the fuck do they do? They do fuck Not all. like that. The wild sheep, like, they're they're organized. They have some smart fucking guys at the head of that organization. You know, like, passionate, they're... Passionate fucking guys. Like, that's what passionate. I go in there. Like, you hear me and Kurt talk, and that's what most guys are like, man, you guys talk about hunting, like, you bleed it. Like, that's what guys come up to us. Like, it's just, you talk, like, you're just so into everything you talk about and we are and you go to these shows and you talk to guys like omer and you talk to kyle and you talk to any of these guys that are there that are on the board that are on the committees that are the ones that are trying to make a difference and they have the same passion when they talk about just hunting in general and then keeping sheep hunting and sheep going in in bc so if you're passionate about something and you don't know who to join with honestly wild sheep society of bc go to the fucking show you don't have to go to the dinner, but go there. Go there and walk around. See the stuff. See what's going on. Like, I honestly, next year, it's got to be more. Yeah. And, like, they did, like, since their last show, like, uh, I think they had 250 people registered to go to the show that got canceled. And then this year, I think they had over 450. So they almost doubled, you know, people coming to the show. Yeah. The one thing I would probably say for the for the BC Wild Sheep Society, is that you got to have more raffles. Like, uh, I was a little bit disappointed. Like, I'm an average Joe. I'm not rich by any means. And I noticed there was a lots of, uh, like, new young guys, people that come there with their wives and whatnot. But, you know, like, for a lot of those people, man, you have a bunch of guns up for raffle. Like I can I can afford a hundred dollar ticket or fifty couple fifty dollar tickets or a bunch of twenty dollar tickets, I'll buy raffles for fucking everything. Like like Devin mentioned, there you know there was no spotters. You have a spotter on a tripod, man. You can sell tickets for fucking twenty five fifty bucks yeah. a fucking ticket, man. You're gonna quadruple your money on that. The raffles for me is that's what when I first went to the show, I seen all these fucking gun raffles and these camp package raffles and whatnot and like. They're, they're sold out right away. You have to get your tickets right away. And there's fucking none left by the time they draw them, which is awesome. But I was a little bit disappointed with the amount of raffles they had for ticket draws. And then the silent auction, too. I didn't didn't seem like there was anything. And I, I get there's a lot, of, a lot of that stuff is donated, which is awesome for people to donate stuff like that. But it seems like it's always like the big stuff is they donated by the same people. You know, like, for example, like, Omer, Precision Optics. That yeah. guy donates so much fucking product, Look at the, money. the amount of guns he donated to the show, and now they have another six-gun raffle right after it. Yeah. like it's incredible. You know, some of these other stores that were there, fucking maybe, maybe step up and throw a couple guns out. You know, or whatever. Um, boots. Like any pair of crispies, binos, fucking binos, tents. spotters, like Wall you have tent a fucking last time they had fucking titanium stoves. It was great. Anything like that's the Backpacks. stuff that gets the normal Joe blows. Like the rich guys, they probably already have that, 
or if they want to go buy one, they'll go buy one. But for a normal guy like me and Dev or some of these young guys there, like, you know, like we spent 500 fucking 30 bucks just to go there and go to the backpack race, right? Like, I don't have a ton of money. Like, that's, yeah, I got to talk that through with the wife before I do that kind of purchase. And some of these young guys are 20 years old. They're going there. And, you know, like, you watch the live auction. You're just, like, mind-blowing, like, how much people spend on some of the stuff. <laughs> like, they're not there to get deals. They're there to fucking rack up money. And I get I get what they're doing behind that. But if you want to get some some more young blood coming in and some more average Joe guys supporting you, you got to have a little fucking carrot in front of the horse to get them there. In my eyes, maybe I'm a fucking idiot, which no. most people no, will no. agree. You got to get a little bit more. I agree with the silent auction thing. The The products at the silent auction were okay. I walked around, but how they had it set up, it it lost its like like luster. Like it was digital. You had to QR scan everything. And then when you did QR scan a code, it just took you to a website. It didn't take you to the product. Uh, where's the fun in that? We could even prank our buddies and put them down for stuff at the live auction. So yeah. Wild Sheep Society BC, make sure you put the papers back out so we can just put like, you know, people's names on the live auction items that are hilarious. Yeah, Whale on the Rue wasn't even there, but he would have bought a bunch of fucking stuffed grouse probably because he'd know his name would be on that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, going back to the the actual the the live auction, not the silent auction. Last time we went, our crew had purchased or won in the live auction, the uh, Yeti prize pack, which was like a Yeti 210 full of booze, pizzas ordered, 10 pizzas ordered, bunch of food. So we won it last time and we all kind of chipped in on it and it was like 2,200 bucks and then we raffled it off and Garrick, that fucker, ended up winning it, which stayed in the family, so that's okay, but still jealous. And this year, there was even more of us, two tables full, so we, we set our budget. We thought three grand was good you know a couple hundred bucks a person and fuck man the live auction was like quiet all night like not a lot of back and forth not a lot of high priced items i thought and that fucking cooler started out at 2500 bucks first bid and then jumped to five grand like two seconds later so yeah, we were blown th- out of the water what, two two bids on it yeah <laughs> that was it Two bids and then it went to seventy five hundred dollars. Somebody bought that prize package for seventy five hundred bucks. <laughs> like, like good for the wild sheep show, but it killed the fucking party for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know those guys. I didn't know who they were, but we were the last ones sitting at the table and we had no booze to drink. So because they shut the bar down at fucking eleven o'clock, which was another strike. <laughs> um, but yeah. Like, when we won that last year, man, like, fucking, we had a fucking party after, right? Yeah. Those guys, I don't know if they took the fucking cooler and ran or if they had a, a room that they didn't want fucking the, the precision optic guys in. I don't know, but um, we still had a good night. We ended up in a hotel oh, yeah. room there with, with a bunch of, bunch of fucking, like, legit stone-cold fucking killers, man, and just just being a fly on the wall. I got a couple pizzas delivered there and just sit there and listening to you know, some of these guys that maybe not everybody knows, but like all of our crew, like they're part of it and, you know, sharing stories and pictures and fuck, man, I I wasn't even talking. I was just sitting there listening to some of these guys fucking talk. I'm like, yeah, these are the fucking real sheep hunters. The, the guys that they're not social media fucking warriors. They're, 
you know, 30 days on fucking horseback, passing up fucking like 10 year old legal ramps because they're waiting for that one. And you know, the, the big one, the big one. And you know, those are the guys I got fucking so much respect for. And those are the exact guys I would love to have on the podcast. Jay, I'm you talking know, about you. know you. who you are. You know what yeah. we're talking about. But uh, one day we'll fucking suck you into getting on here. But, uh, like, those are the guys that have the best fucking stories that will never come on a podcast. And maybe we'll fucking wrangle him in one day. I really fucking hope he, he decides to he, come on. He has a clause. I just don't know if we can work the clause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have to do a few censor moments in that one, I think. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We don't censor anything, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, I agree. It's, uh, that's the guys, like, like you said, like, there's so many guys in the hunt, in the hunting world alone, but in BC. Like, yeah. Like, BC has just these, these guys that have just been doing it and killing shit, and we, we just call them killers, like, and we, we, we're not scared to call them that, like, we, that's, we want to be that one day. Like, we want to be known as just guys that are killers. Like, we're not fucking killing big shit. We're not bragging about it. It's just, like, stone-cold killers. And these guys are that. Like, they've been doing it for so long. They know it works. And they just get it done. But, like, in, like, hardcore, though. Like, yeah. getting on a horse and doing a 30-day horse trip in backpacking off of the horses... I've seen some of the moose those fucking guys have pulled out of, like, just the absolute gnarliest fucking places in BC that you can't, you didn't think you could get in there, and these guys are getting horses in there. Like, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of fucking money invested, too, like horses and whatnot. But, like, yeah, like, those are the kind of guys I aspire to, to be, and I'd like, I want to try to get doing that before I get aged out, and, you know, like, mountain hunting might not be... I might not be able to do it when I'm 60 or the way fucking this liberal fucking, I'm not even going to say it, government, um, <laughs> their way they're fucking pushing things, man. We might not have that opportunity in fucking 40 years. So I'm pretty sure know. there was a climber, there was a climber rifle raffled off with uh, Trudy's name on it that was running around the wild sheep side. Eh? There was a bullet with Trudy's name on it from what I was hearing. Rumors Jeez. I was hearing. Huh? Rumors, yeah. Yeah, rumors. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. Fucking. But yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, it was a good way to end the night. You know, hanging out in a room with like-minded guys and storytelling bullshit. And yeah, it was just good. Yeah. Well, there's a couple a couple more things I did want to touch on before we close this down. I mean, like uh, Kurt and I were saying, Precision Optics puts on such a good booth there so if you guys are ever looking for different gear and different things so i'll kind of pick out a couple of the pieces of gear that i didn't even know was out there um and why we were impressed by it I'm not saying we're gonna run it but it's just like if you're in the market or looking for these things the first one was gunworks came out with their revic line of optics and I, I had a look at that and and i thought that spotter was really nice so you know it's a, it's another one out there that's if people are looking but what it really impressed me was their gunworks is their new tripod line i don't know if they call it the revic as well but omer has them at precision optics and they're carbon fiber tripods they come with the either a ball head or a pan head and i think they're like 600 bucks and these things were rock solid 
So if you're looking for like super solid, reasonably priced, full setup for a tripod, I mean, I would check Precision Optics out, ask him about it. I don't know a lot about it, but I was super impressed with seeing him at the show. Did you happen to get a look at him at all? I just, it was, the cooler was right behind the one spotter. So I walked past that thing fucking, you know, 20 times probably. But um, yeah, like I, the one thing I liked, I noticed with the spotter, it seemed fairly compact for yeah. big glass. Like it had a big objective lens. Like, but then that big tripod it was on, man, like that thing was fucking looked gnarly. Like it's, I never, I moved it actually. And it was super fucking light. You know, it's going to be well built. So that's definitely something next time I'm in there at Omer's to, to check out. Cause you know, like I've got a kind of a no name, cheap, knockoff carbon fiber tripod and it gets the fucking job done you know it might be a little bit shaky in the wind and whatnot because it is fairly like dainty i guess but yeah yeah you know you throw a big spotter on that it's maybe not the most stabilest thing in the world or or like shooting off of it too but you know for me it gets the job done but definitely something to look into at that price point too fuck that's that's pretty unreal I'm pretty sure it comes with the pan heads too. So that's like crazy good. Especially coming from a Gunworks line. Usually Gunworks are priced out of my, my price range. Yeah. If it says Gunworks on it, I'm like, yeah, next. <laughs> yeah. I can't even I can't even afford to drop this right now, so I don't even <laughs> yeah. want to touch it. Yeah. That was yeah, that was I one mean, other thing too, like with the like obviously all the guns and stuff that Omer brings to the show and like the one year that I was helping him out, we brought forty seven fucking guns to the show. Like rigged out scopes on like it was just fucking i felt like i was going to war now he's kind of knocked it back to you know a few of the big ticket ones and the the new stuff and the one gun that i fucking kind of fell in love with and like i really liked the price point was that fierce carbon rogue the ct rogue and the carbon rogue eh did you handle that yeah well i picked it up for a second and it was more omer kind of talking to us about it and and you know giving us like a heads up that there's like a new gun out there that because we always look away from it it's like kurt and i've been pushing like tikas not pushing but just running tikas for this long and we're at that point where kurt's looking at a new rifle because he's shot a lot of rounds through his and i don't know you start to i mean it doesn't matter if you need it sometimes you just want something nice and shiny and usually the price points way out of your range and you're not ready to do it but man these yeah that was the big thing of selling me on so i've been on precision optics you know looking a lot at them and then trying to figure them out and watching videos so yeah i did uh i have had a ponder and i I think it's something we're gonna get omer on to talk about and and really give us the rundown on these guns and, and let you guys know you know what they're all about yeah like you know I've got the advantage. I get to go into Omer's basically whenever I want. I can play with whatever gun I want. I'm sure I could probably go out to the range with Garrick and shoot whatever gun I want if they're there, right? But just any time that you said carbon fiber stock, carbon fiber wrap barrel, barrel yeah. you right away you think, oh, that's a $5,000, $5,500 rifle, no scope. Yeah. So, like, you're looking at a seven six seven eight thousand dollars setup right off the bat and i'm like that just right away i'm like nope (laughs) for one like i couldn't afford that for two my wife would cut my dick off if i bought that 
right? So I can't afford like, that either. Yeah, no, fuck no. Favorite toy. Um, you know what I mean? Like for the normal fucking Joe Blow guys, that's just not, it's not even really a thing for most people, right? And then you're like, okay, well, then I'll go a stainless, like a nice, nice fucking gun. And you like, we bought our Tikas. Mine's, I don't even know how fucking old it is, but I've got almost years, a thousand, probably. at least. I've yeah. got a, almost a thousand rounds through that gun, and it still shoots good, but it's fucking rallied. My Huskama on, it's fucking rallied. It's, you know, I've killed a lot of shit with that gun, and it's it still shoots good. It's never left me hanging, but that's kind of like, all right, it's, I kind of, I'm not, I would say I'm in the market. I'm kind of not, I kind of am. Um, but that gun, like the price, price point of that gun, you know, like the Carbon Rogue, I think it, it retails for 2800 bucks. Well, the CT is 34 34 So that the and CT then the, is... the regular one's 28 which is 28. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So the CT is, uh, it's got a titanium action on it. You know, yeah. so it's, I think, I've been, I've been on their website a bunch since, like, looking at that thing. Because I'm like, that's something I could definitely get behind. You know, it's five ounces lighter, something like that. But um, yeah, like you know, for the for the price point and the weight of those guns, I think they're fucking six pounds, ten ounces or something like that. It's fucking, it's crazy. Like how light no, it is. They're lighter than that without the scope. <clears throat> or you mean with scope? No, without a scope. Yeah, I think they were in the fives. Oh, fives, really? Yeah, I think there so. you go. That's insane. All I know is when I picked this fucking gun up, I was just like. Jesus fuck, that's light. Um, yeah, and then you know, Omer's a salesman. Like, obviously, we're we're getting him on in next week, I think. So, we'll we'll definitely pick his ear about that and and see what uh, you know. We'll hum and haw. Maybe we'll get we'll end up getting two of these things if if everything works out good. But we'll see, man. It's I just never never thought I'd buy a carbon wrap gun because the price point just wasn't in the picture for me, right? And I'm okay yeah. with that. You you go to buy a new Tika right now, and it, I think uh, new Tika is like sixteen ninety nine or seventeen ninety nine, right? We bought ours for fucking eight hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. So, like, if you think of what a Tika is now, and it like always oh, said, it costs a lot of money to shoot better than a Tika. Well, for a thousand bucks more, you can get something that shoots better than a Tika, and it's weighs way fucking less too. So, we'll see. I'm I'm humming. I like my fucking, my old gun. It's, you know, old faithful kind of thing, right? But it might be time to put her on the mantle and and get to into this light lightweight rifle hunting, I guess. Yeah, retire the old girl. The old 300 Win Mag has had a fucking few rounds through her. Yeah, put her out to pasture. <laughs> there you go. She's had a good life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's done well. Uh, I did want to, before we forget... Um, Got a shout out Tanner. I know he's been a huge supporter of us, and um, he's told us at the Sheep Show that we better get our shit together so he can get us some more shit, get us some more knives, promote all that stuff. So here we are. We're putting the podcast out. We're gonna get back on this shit wagon. But I also I want to give him some credit because he's stepping up with a like new business in BC, young guy, you know starting out like this and he's right up there you know supporting the wild sheep society bc 
you know, they he's putting in a lot of time and a lot of money into the same organization. So I did want to, you know, kind of give him props on everything he's doing for the Wild Sheep Society of BC and, and using his business as that platform and, and getting the word out there with these films and, and the donations and the sponsorships that he's doing there. So I thought that was, you know, I wanted to commemorate him on that. Yeah, he's uh, come a long way. Like when we first met him, I just thought it was some some fucking dude that was making knives in his garage and, you know, just whatever, right? Making custom knives, man. He's blowing that brand up huge. And like he's he's done very well for himself in the last few years. And like you said, he's just a normal Joe Blow guy, just like us too, right? Just wants to do cool shit, makes cool shit. And he supports uh, supports conservation in BC. So yeah, hat off to you, buddy. Well, I gotta say, he walked around all sheep show. He had this knife on his belt, and then the one night, I think it was Saturday night, after a few pints, I finally pinned him down because he's such a such a busy guy. He's just a chatty Kathy talking to everyone, and I and I social finally social butterfly, social butterfly for sure. I finally pinned him down, and I said, "Let me see that. What are you packing around this whole time?" So he hands me this knife that's on his belt, and instantly. Like, I put it in my hand, and I'm like, man, this thing's awesome. Like, and I looked at it, and I'm like, is that the Uncia blade with a fucking handle, like a lightweight handle on it? And I, Kurt was standing beside me, and I'm like, man, feel this fucking thing. And he's like, yeah, like, that's what I, that we, you said, like, that's what you need to do. So it, he only made one for himself. So if I already told <laughs> Tanner, if we start doing podcasts again, that's what we want. So I'm putting it out there on the podcast again. Not just for us, but that's the blade, man. Like, put that fucking thing into production. That lightweight yeah. handle and that blade was, oh, I want one. Like, I want to replace that, my original. That's what, like, I got that Uncia when I did my last moose deer hunt there. And I used that to cut up both them fucking, both those animals. Actually, two moose and a deer. And, like, the blade length, the sharp, everything was perfect. But just having that mountain series with no handle... It, if you're doing a sheep or a, one deer or something like that, it's not bad. But if you're working, deboning a moose or an elk or something like that, you need more handle there. And that was my only only thing I told them. I'm like, it just needs a little. It's it's a long blade with a with not much of a handle. And then yeah, that that fucking handle he had there, man, it weighed. It felt like nothing. it weighed the same. It weighed nothing. You had, so like it's negligible. Yeah, you had full control of that blade. And it, yeah, like it was minuscule, whatever. I fuck, it felt like it was literally the same weight. So, yeah, definitely like to to see him get that into production and get my hands on one because that 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 right there was the perfect lightweight mountain hunting blade that I would pack every day. So. Yeah, no, I think so. Like I would put that in, and that one's in the bag, and the weight and everything's. Not something you worry about, but anyways, keep up the good work, Tanner. It was a, a wicked knife, and uh, I hope to see one in my hands one day. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, anything uh, else to touch on? No, I think that's kind of it. Um, you know, before we finish here, it's if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed what we were talking about, make sure you go to Wild Sheep Society of BC, get a membership, or donate, or do something. You know, that's what that event was all about. We're huge supporters of what they're doing. We're going to be supporters forever. So, I mean, that's the big thing. And if you like what we're doing, make sure you give us a like, a subscribe, check us out. 
uh, follow along. We're going to try to get this fucking wagon rolling again and and bring you guys some more episodes and some more stories is the big thing we keep hearing from everyone is keep telling stories, keep getting guys on that can tell stories. So that's uh, that's what we're going to try to do. Yep. And uh, once again, thanks for listening, guys. We out. I came from the mud There's dirt on my hands Strong like a tree There's roots where I stand Oh, I've been running from the law Hope they won't shoot me down soon Catch me howling at the moon